on an average day we deliver like 26 million packages and documents that's a lot Satyan Parameswaran is the president of information technology at UPS. We operate in uh, 220 countries and territories. That's yeah, starting point. In US alone, we may do like a 17 million pickups and like 24 25 million deliveries every single day. And how many facilities we have around the world to do this? Uh, close to 2000 facilities. where we receive the package uh, where we just sort them through uh, many of them are hubs and destination loads it's it's yeah yeah magnificent uh, worldwide complex uh, logistics operation that's what we have you know one of the things that just amazes me is the kind of tracking that you do and what i really like is the the map where you can follow along the package follow my driver i i believe uh, like you are referring to that uh, it's a it's a cool feature uh, and it is not just an eye candy to make that happen the technology that has to work behind the scenes is incredible we need to make sure that uh, where exactly that package is which package car we loaded it which driver is actually uh, uh, running the package car and very see and all the telemetry that is coming from the package car that is carrying the package brought back in time so that uh, it is relevant information where you can see how your package is coming to you it's a cool technology and we do it at scale it's a, it's a lot of technology behind the scene that makes it uh, look simple what is the the role of it at ups is it just internal facing does it do you intersect with this kind of technology that you were just describing so give us the lay of the land as far as what your organization does technology is uh, not uh, just an enabler to do the function technology is the function what i mean by that is logistics moving things from point a to point b it's a massive art of resource allocation you need to know where to send your service provider to pick up the package when the package comes in you need to know what you are doing with that and when you receive a package you know where it is going and what's the destination so you have to create a a life flow for that package because you have to help the package to flow through the network and you need a technology to do all those things so in Yes sir we are actually an engineering company that has a lot of trucks and service providers uh, which helps us to run the network manage the network so that we can provide the only one thing we are known for that's service we are known for providing package delivery services technology is the one that helps us to do that what i find particularly interesting is for many it departments really the focus is on we could say corporate administrative functions right making sure that the erp system works that the email works and so forth that kind of infrastructure but in your case you're involved with supporting supplying technology at that scale at the scale of your your customers So that's that's pretty unusual for an IT department. Actually marry the digital and physical world. 
physical world of moving the packages and putting it on the fleet and moving sorting and like scanning has to be facilitated and enabled by technology so this is where technology has to facilitate the movement so it is a perfect marriage of physical and digital world that's what we use technology here at ups can we talk about the way you think of IT investment? And the reason I ask is because the investment priorities and your approach to the way you invest certainly reflects where your focus is. And at some point, it aligns, I'm sure, with the corporate mandates and the strategic goals of the company. So can you give us some insight into how you think about investment? If uh, any uh, corporation that is uh, run for making profit, you would always want to maximize the profit. That's one. But profit is not every single thing that you have to do to be profitable. It should be sustainable. So our investment philosophies, uh, they keep evolving with the modern standards. Uh, Carol Tomei, our uh, CEO, she says the best. Our strategy and motto is we are going to be better not bigger because the earlier parts we were expanding and then we had capacity now we are going through the investment phase of how to run the man run the network manage the network in a much more efficient way we, we are striving to be better how the technology investments you know what uh, uh, more digitization more data driven decisions, uh, taking humans away from decision making, and more importantly, automation. So our investment is going to be focused on digitization, data analytics, and automation. Can you break that down for us? When you talk about digitization, what does that mean for you at UPS? We are known for doing one thing. We deliver packages delivering of packages and our service is the most important thing for us and to provide service we employ physical resources at different places the technology that helps us to employ the right resources at the right time is digitization because for us to exactly make the package move and hit the appropriate nodes in our network, we need a technology and it has to be timed. So for that, we actually need a digital view of how our network is run. So when we say digitization, we spent our effort in building a true digital twin of our network. So once you have the digital twin, you exactly know at a macro level and at a micro level. You can take back and say, you know what, how 10,000 packages are flowing through this channel and go down to the one package that was shipped by Michael. What's happening to it? Is it going as per the plan or is it off plan? How can I address it? That's what I meant by digitization. So when you talk about creating a digital twin of the network, to define a little more what that means, because you don't mean the your hardware, you don't need, mean your computer network, you're talking about the UPS network as a whole, right? Yeah, we have the digital twin that will tell us in a given package center, uh, 
four days in advance how many packages are going to come in three days in advance how many packages are going to come in and i would know what i am expected to receive later today at every single package center and we have the ability to know you know what this is what we are planning for and when it goes through the network two days down the line this center is expected to sort these many packages that will go through so we have the digital footprint of our entire network made available to us and uh, that helps us to make decisions very quickly many times the decisions are not even made by humans the the accuracy of the forecast is so close to making automatic decisions that's how we do manage the network how do you even approach such a thing creating a digital twin starts with uh, process mapping we move packages so we take two steps back if we receive a package how do we actually facilitate the movement where and all the events that will happen needs to emit a digital signal that has to be captured so that we know what's happening uh, i'll give a simple example you go to ups.com you want to ship a package hey i'm shipping you live in boston isn't it so from boston you want to ship something to say uh, san francisco you go there and then you say i have a 2 pound package ground package i want to ship and you tell me what i'm going to drop it off here and prepare a label that electronic intent for you to send a package comes to us that's a starting point we know oh, you know what michael is going to ship a package and by the way it's going to start in boston and this is what he says as the date i still do not know where you are going to drop it off because you can drop it off in the ups store or in a customer counter or in a drop box in the junction we don't know but we know michael has the intent so that's the starting point then when you actually drop off when the driver picks it up if it is a high value package he may scan it or he takes it to the package center when it goes through the belt we scan the package so that's the induction point we actually know you know what the package michael said he's going to ship actually he has shipped and this is where we picked it up and then we tried to plot the course for the package how it's going to go from boston to san francisco it went on a scanner then it goes into a trailer we scan it so we know you know what an event that said this package got into the trailer trailer leaves the facility when it leaves the gate it emanates you know what this trailer left this facility and this trailer is going to drive for say maybe like like 8 hours 10 hours and it will reach a hub then it may go to chicago and then every junction point we emanate digital signals and then we collect them like this 22 million packages a day they generate and all the sortation equipment all the scanning equipment all the the tractors the trailers they all emit signals we gather them just to put them together that's how we create the digital twin how much of your network of your equipment of your trucks and so forth are equipped with the technologies that are needed to to do this kind of tracking all of our package cars they are wired with the telemetry and the telematics they all have it they all have sensors they all have some of them have forward facing cameras they all have gps signals and uh, many uh, the, the tractor trailers that uh, run our feeder network they all have gps signals and then uh, our network is uh, digitized 
to the extent that we actually can practically afford it. One of the issues that many CIOs are concerned about, of course, is supporting the corporate strategic goals. But that's not always so easy. How do you think about that issue? And what do you do about it, especially now in this very changing environment that we're in? It's all about the priorities. We know what all the things that we need to do, and we have to prioritize and employ it. We have requests that are coming to us, hey, we want to introduce these new products. Somebody might come and say, you know what, we want to introduce a new way we are going to interact with the customers, so customer engagement. And we may have requests from our uh, engineering department, hey, we would like to automate this section of the operations. We would like to buy like uh, three or four different robots. They can pick and pack stuff. Uh, we may receive requests for autonomous guided vehicles. Hey, in this center, we would like to buy like uh, four autonomous guided vehicles so that they can carry stuff from one end of the center to another end of the center without uh, needing humans. So all these requests come to us. We just look at them. What gives the best value to meet the corporate goal? Becoming better, but not necessarily bigger. So every single thing is streamlined towards one goal. How are we going to run the network more efficiently? And how are we going to be better? What can we do to improve the reliability of the network? All of our investments are targeted and guided by those principles. It sounds like your investment priorities are following both innovation and efficiency. Absolutely. Innovation and uh, looking at improving efficiency are always uh, going to be the two sides of the same coin. And uh, things like, uh, I am responsible for the program where I am. Okay? We have been delivering packages for so many years. Typical day, our drivers, they leave the building. They may drive around like 200 miles. They may stop at 125 places deliver packages and come back. This is what they do every single day. We took up Orion, stating that, you know what, what can we do to reduce maybe three to four miles per day per driver? If you look at it, uh, three to four miles on a 200 mile burn, most of the organizations might think that it's a statistical anomaly. How do you measure three mile or four mile saving in some cases, two miles on a 200 mile. But that's where the engineering precision and efficiency comes into picture. What time the package car leaves? Does the driver always have the latest and greatest information? Uh, can we chart his course so that he can shave off like 500 yards here? Oh, you know what? Maybe he can save like a 30 seconds there. That's where the we are always looking to improve efficiency because from the customer point of view, the driver is still showing up and they are still delivering the package in the de delivery window that was promised to them. They won't see, but we still have to look at how can we reduce the mileage per day without affecting the service. So we will always look at those things. We have an interesting question from Twitter, Arsalan Khan. Uh, wants to know about the role that enterprise architecture takes in looking at your organization in a holistic way. And he's even weaving in uh, looking at supply chains. So the role of enterprise architecture in all of this. 
I actually was an enterprise architect for UPS. I served as a principal architect for like a several years, looking at uh, how to redo our 1Z tracking number, how will we do our regulatory and compliance activities and all. So since we are running the network, the, the decisions we make are extremely important. Our enterprise architecture group is uh, very, very active. We have an active architecture review board. I am part of that. We sit and review all the strategic investments and technology choices and approve for implementation with the current and future in mind. Our technology choices are always forward-looking. We have a very, very active EA group in UPS. And where do you see this evolving over the course of the next year, uh, given the fact of the, the pandemic and the difficulty of predicting volumes because of changes in, in society? When we talk about uh, pickup volume, which will eventually influence the network to deliver, we are talking about the pickup volume that can be influenced by so many things customer behavior, weather patterns, geopolitical events, even regulatory compliance needs, so many things influence it. So forecasting with accuracy is a challenge. We all strive to create a mechanism using which our forecast can be better. Uh, that's where our investments in the last few years on a platform called HEAT, Harmonized Enterprise Analytics Tool. This is the data-driven digital twin enabled forecasting platform where we collect the data we sit on mountains of data like all the package deliveries and events that we have gathered over so many years we are sitting on it so we can use that to reasonably predict what's going to happen so we look at it like our whole network has two capabilities and two characteristics normal weeks and the weeks between thanksgiving and christmas so we have so many models and uh, so many practices that we engage with our customers too closely to kind of ask them, hey, what do you think is going to happen? Because uh, we, don't, we do not want to disappoint our customers. We do not want to fail on our promises. So we engage with them, get the forecast from them using historical data, using our models. We actually try to predict. And our forecasts are... I would say uh, very, very decent. Decent to the point that we can actually make autonomous decisions based on them. I am talk I'm not talking about 70% uh, accurate. I'm talking about mid-90s. Mid-90s and upper 90s uh, forecast efficiency. That's pretty incredible given your scale. But what happens when you have some type of event or situation that takes place in some part of the world, or as in the case of the pandemic that affected everybody, more or less within a relatively short period of time. This is where uh, uh, our management of a network using technology comes in handy. Uh, let us not even talk about the pandemic, which is a global scale. We had snowstorms in Texas in the month of February. The whole state was almost frozen. Yeah, that impacted our network. But the way we handled was, we looked at it, what are all the nodes that are kind of uh, running at a deprecated capacity? What are all the things that are frozen? We diverted our network around it so that the network can keep on running. See, the one thing I always uh, tell any, everyone is, 
running a network is like riding a bicycle you cannot stop it has to keep running there is no place for you to park some packages for x number of days so that you can there is no warehouse attached to the network it is like an oil pipeline it has to keep running so the art of we running the network is having the digital twin having the insight hey that's where a choke is happening you know let me route the packages around the uh, the, the choke point so that's how we manage so a pandemic yes it was yeah 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 Uh, an event that affected uh, the way we ran the network but uh, technology helped us tremendously to run the network uh, very very efficiently uh, you might have noticed our uh, uh, vaccines the, the the technology that we used to, to deliver vaccines we are almost 100% on time 99.99% and how purely because of technology and the technology was not developed overnight the technology was the a constant look ahead we were preparing for you know what uh, how will we create new healthcare products we were preparing for that the technology we used and the technology we created uh, came in very handy and we had the ability to scale it up to deliver covid vaccines and that uh, came in very handy it was all about uh, being prepared and uh, having the right technology available to manage the network in a much much better fashion how does your organization work with other parts of ups ups to ensure the that you're delivering what they need essentially even though i represent uh, technology the technology i build has only one purpose it has to support the business needs so we work extensively with our product owners and uh, the dreamers on what exactly is needed how we are going to launch the product and uh, make sure that uh, whatever we deliver is in line with their expectations i'll give an example we introduced ups premier gold services it was a project that was started few years back hey uh, if you are going to ship a healthcare products uh customers might want to know where exactly their uh products are because it's so important to them they need to know exactly what's happening and you cannot afford to lose it uh, timing is of uh, extreme importance so we created uh, rfid based labels which can uh, emit signals and it can kind of uh, keep on declaring hey this is where i am we have sensors put all over the place and it was a project that we were gearing up and it was doing well and uh, then pandemic came but we were already prepared with the healthcare product so we could scale it so if you come to my office any time you will see me surrounded with uh, lots of technology maybe 70% of them may not become practical they may not uh, go anywhere however we always keep looking at the technology along with the product one say hey, this is what we see can this become a product the ultimate question is if you make something a product is somebody going to pay for it will this be a sellable product will this make our service better that's how the questions come in and we go through that so if we look at smart labels you went through a a design process varying various parameters to come up with the right technology i'm assuming 
the concept of smart labels is not new. Like the first generation, if I remember it right, of the smart labels, uh, where uh, the information about the package is present on the label itself, may date back to like early 90s. So UPS came with a six by four smart label with a, a 2D code. It's called the maxi code with a double bullseye, which carried enough information so that when you scan it, you know what to do with the package. You don't need anything else. The package will tell itself, hey, this is where I want to go. From there, we have come a long way. Uh, you don't have to scan. Package can declare where it is and uh, you can uh, inspect the package, uh, what it has to do at the next stop. And when the service provider is delivering the package, package can tell, hey, uh, make sure that uh, you, you get the signature from the, uh, the receiver. So we can uh, uh, make that smart package really smart and uh, instructive. We have uh, a couple of really interesting questions from Twitter. And Arsalan Khan is asking, he says, with so much data that you're gathering, and data is an asset for the entire organization, what happens if executives don't agree with what the AI is predicting about the data? So when you use machine learning and your executives look at this and may say, oh, I don't agree with that. That doesn't that doesn't make sense, even though that's what the data is saying. What do you, what do you do? How often does, does that happen? And how do you manage that? Anytime you you bring in a, a decision making mechanism, whether it is AI or machine learning, uh, it will take time for uh, people to accept it and uh, understand it. Uh, the typical reaction is, oh, I know it better. Come on. Why are you saying that it is going to have only 74% chance that he's going to meet the package. Oh, I have seen it. I'm... So those things are normal. Uh, the act of repeatedly demonstrating that the decision is reliable is the only way to gain confidence. That's the generic part. The reality is uh, the forecasting and prediction I am talking about, uh, it's extremely physical. So there are no two ways. When you say... Uh, this sort has to handle like 8,000 packages. And if you're going to sort uh, 1,700 packages or 8,100 packages, it's a reality. There are no two ways people can argue. Either you are off or you are not off. So, uh, but when it comes to product efficacy, oh, how many people are going to buy? It is always subjective. It is an acquired taste. Uh, how AI can come and control somebody's emotional attachment, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it will take time. And the people uh, will uh, learn to trust AI or AI will prove itself to be not so great. And it sounds like in your case, given the accuracy of your delivery predictions, it sounds like the machine learning, the AI is doing a pretty darn good job. The AI and the, the data platform we are uh, doing, it is right now helping tremendously to run the network. What I mean by that is, uh, say I, I live in Parsippany. So the Parsippany hub, uh, it will say, you know what? Hey, manager, uh, be prepared to handle, and just throwing a number, 1,000 packages this morning so that he can plan his staff, you know what, to sort and uh, deliver these packages. I need these many uh, heads. So it helps them. If it is uh, 950 versus 1,050, the decision is going to be good. The act of, uh, hey, this package will land in 
Michael's door between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. That's actually is calculated throughout the life cycle of the packet that goes through the network. So these two things come together at a convenient point and it keeps on evolving because the physical conditions can tremendously affect the network. So you are always planning for potential sources of disruption. Essentially, that's the nature of your business. That's what you do. When we say always, I truly mean always. Every single day, we collect close to billion events. Keep looking at the network. Is this package getting delayed by 30 minutes, 20 minutes? Is it going to hit this particular sort? Is it going to be late? Is it going to be so? Uh, that's what we mean by creating the digital twin. You keep collecting billion, billion plus events throughout the network, map it, and then plot it, and then plan it. We have another question from Twitter from Elizabeth Shaw, who's asking, besides digital twins, what other strategic IT investments are being planned for 2022? See, we live in the physical world. So uh, employee safety is of utmost importance. The technology uh, that will help our uh, employees to be safe and to be efficient, that's one part. It could be as simple as uh, implementing uh, forward-facing uh, traffic uh, monitoring cameras, which will help them to provide driver feedback and things like that. That's one. Automation. Uh, we, we are uh, introducing automation, like uh, some robots uh, that can actually uh, sort the packages and move the packages, load the package costs. So automation, uh, employee safety, of course, always operations research-based, how can I run the network better? Uh, in broader themes, when you bring these themes together, it will help you to plan for the investments. When you bring what together precisely? So when you bring the different philosophies, hey, we need to invest in making our employees safe. We need to invest in making our automation better. We need to improve our digitization better. When you bring these themes together, it will give you your investment philosophy. So the key to the success of making the right investments is real clarity and simplicity around the nature of the goals. Is that an accurate way to state it? It's a much better way to state it because, like I said, we are a service providing company. The service providers have to be safe. The mechanism using which we are providing the service has to be efficient. And how can we keep on improving it? So our philosophy is always towards how can I do better with the technology on improving the service? Whether it is the reliability of the service or scalability of the service or how to do it cheaper, it is we have one single-minded goal. So really, it's these, these three pillars of safety, efficiency, and innovation. Yep. And we have another question from Twitter, again from Arslan Khan. Arslan is really on a roll. And he's wondering whether you have any thoughts on the use of blockchain technology for UPS? Absolutely. Our uh, supply chain logistics group uh, uh, always uh, explores with the use of blockchain. So that's uh, not with me, but uh, we, we always uh, partnered with uh, several partners to explore the uh, practical uses of a uh, blockchain. But uh, um, do we have anything that says uh, the 25, 26 million packages that we deliver every day uh, do we need to have blockchain technology? We are not there yet because uh, we kind of operate in a, in a trustworthy environment to start with. But uh, we will always uh, 
in the quest of looking at what can we do with the logistics. There is a group that does explore Bitcoin, uh, not Bitcoin, uh, blockchains. When you say you're operating in a trustworthy environment to start with, can you what what do you mean by that? I know Michael is getting the package to me, and I know Michael, and most likely would have paid, and uh, I do not have to worry about the authenticity of the package that Michael is giving it to me. It's a package to me, and I know the destination. So uh, when blockchain kind of technologies uh, will come into picture, when you need to ensure the trustworthiness and the transparency end to end. So it has its use cases uh, for small package delivery. Uh, it's not there yet. We, we looked at it a couple of times, but uh, the time is not there. One of the things that I find very impressive about what you're doing is the clarity and, again, the simplicity of the, the business goals, safety, efficiency, improved quality of service, meaning innovation. And I think many organizations struggle with boiling things down to that level of simplicity and clarity. And so my question to you is, how does that support, again, the the investment goals? And what are the obstacles that you see other uh, IT leaders, other organizations facing that interfere with being able to boil things down like that? These type of strategic decisions and alignment has to happen from the top. We are blessed to have the our executive leadership team, which sets the very unambiguous, precise goals on what we need to do for the next three to five years. So from there, uh, it is a, a task of, if this is what it is, how we are going to apply our resources to achieve it. So the thought leadership at the executive level is of utmost importance. Of course, when you have a large organization, uh, different business units and functional units, uh, sometimes they may compete for the, the same resource. So the, the resource, uh, comp uh, uh, people competing for the same resource is a known challenge for all the organizations. But that's where the prioritization and the clarity of this is where we are going to focus our effort comes in very, very handy. Uh, we have a very good uh, uh, executive leadership team that sets very precise goals. So when you have that lack of clarity, so there's a breakdown somewhere between the folks who are setting the, the agenda and the message that people inside the organization are receiving. Is that another way to look uh, that at is it? Correct. I will even uh, use uh, some uh, uh, phrases we often use uh, inside, internally. Okay, We have a very, very competent team. We can do anything, but we cannot do everything. So that drives our investment. Hey, these are all the resources we have. We can do anything we want, but let us agree on what's the most important thing we want to deploy our resources. It starts from there. So again, establishing really clear, straightforward priorities that everybody understands and can get behind. Yeah. I'm not even giving any corporate cliche. If you come to our team, if you ask the team, what are the top three things you guys are working on? You will hear the same answer. No ambiguities. Like they're all rowing in the same direction. 
I'm assuming part of that has to be the maturity of UPS as an organization and the importance, the recognized importance that information technology plays so fundamentally in, in enabling your business. It's the maturity and the engineering discipline. See, uh, we measure and count everything. When your organization has the habit of measuring and counting, precisely tallying the resources and how we are uh, spending our energy, money, dollars, whatever you want, the discipline is usually going to be the significant byproduct of those activities. Uh, at heart, we are an engineering organization that drives extreme discipline. We have another very interesting comment from LinkedIn, and this is from Nasheen Liu. And uh, Nasheen runs an organization called the IT Media Group, and uh, they put on events with CIOs. They're really, really good. And she asks this question. She says, UPS technology sounds like a perfect marriage between IT and OT, operational technology. She wants to know what are the key success factors for this convergence that many CIOs seem to have challenge with and seem to run into obstacles? A couple of things. I'm not sure how many organizations uh, have this setup. My boss is not just the chief information officer. He's the chief information and engineering officer. So the engineering wing of uh, his departments, they are responsible for the methods and processes and how the network has to be planned. He also is responsible for technology. So this is where the highest level of alignment can happen. So that uh, engineering and IT, they do not have any other option but work together very closely. And it's not only at uh, my boss's level. My peer on the business side, who is responsible for operational processes and uh, methods, we talk almost four or five hours every single day. Our talks are always about, hey, what are we doing? What happened in Athens? What happened in uh, Hamburg? What happened in uh, New Delhi? So our conversations are always towards what they are thinking and what technology. So the, we don't just see each other uh, once a month in a meeting. It's like a constant communication and we co-develop products because they all know if you wait for the perfect product to go, it will take years. We have actually changed in such a way that we are actually deploying more marginal products much quicker to test the market out and then deploy. People might call it like, hey, this is the agile way, safe way, but doing that in the physical world is very challenging. You cannot create a technology that will help the service provider to go all the way to the door. But say, you know what, the, the next thing is going to come in three months. It doesn't work that way. So creating a, a, a minimalistic game and creating and conceiving a product hand in hand with the engineering department and then applying technology is the key for our success. We have another question from Elizabeth Shaw who says, how do you balance centralized IT and technology with the needs of such a globally distributed organization? First of all, uh, if any organization claims that all their technology is uh, centralized or distributed, uh, that will be a false statement. Uh, we, there will always be a, a need for centralized groups and federated IT groups. There will always be a need because of the alignment. 
our success relies in uh, engaging with the federated it groups in such a way that uh, we help them and they help us out because federated it groups uh, most likely it's a practical necessity we cannot rule them out we just have to create a better symbiotic environment so that both can succeed we do have federated it groups because centralized it cannot be in the position to prioritize every single thing for the entire enterprise but we manage them closely we integrate with them very tightly and we help each other and let's finish up with a uh, quick quick thoughts on advice that you have for CIOs that are planning now for the upcoming year? What will drive success right now? Digital transformation is the key. Uh, regardless of the business you are in, uh, digitizing and digital transformation. And if you are dealing with the physical world, figuring out a way to automate. And human brain is so precious. So wherever possible, pulling away humans from making decisions using data-driven technology will be the key. Are there key challenges that you see CIOs facing that you can help suggest ways of overcoming those challenges? If there are no challenges for the CIOs, uh, they won't have their jobs because uh, CIOs are getting paid to cope up with the change in uh, environment, uh, change in business climate, and uh, of course, the much more rapid change in technology. So they always have to work very close with the business community. Uh, my philosophy is always, there is only one reason technology exists here at UPS, to help the business and grow the business. So every CIO should align themselves extremely intimately with the business and exploit the technology for business. That's the only suggestion I can give. I love the simplicity and the clarity around what you're saying. It's it's great advice, and it in a way, it seems like obvious advice, but seems to be very hard to accomplish in practice for, for many of us. And with that, unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to say a huge thank you to Satyan Parameswaran for being our guest today on CXO Talk. Satyan, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Michael. Good to be here. And uh, it was a great conversation. Now, before you go, everybody, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button at the top of our website. Tell your friends and we'll send you our great newsletter and you'll hear about notifications of upcoming guests. Thank you again to Satyan. Thanks to everybody who watched and especially to those folks who asked such excellent questions. We will see you again next time. Check out CXOTalk.com and have a great day. Bye-bye.